Hello, I'm Dr. Kathleen Hall, and this is The Way I See It. And my name's John Bailey, you can call me Bailey, and this is The Way I See It. Hi, darling. Hello. Here we are, this is one of my favorite times of year. Back at it. I'm telling you, I love it. Now, I know it's February, and it's cold, and it's rainy, and it's supposed to snow tomorrow, and we're in Atlanta. Boo. And all this other stuff. And it's been raining for God knows how many weeks. Weeks and weeks. But the good news is, one of my favorite times of year is Lent. I know it may seem weird. Lent, the 40 days before Easter. Are you familiar with it? I am familiar with it. I didn't grow up Catholic in a Catholic household, but we we did do some Lent things in my childhood. Yeah, yeah. We did uh, no soda, actually. Serious? Oh, yeah, that is yeah. so cool. We were really big on Pepsi. My parents are from up north. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. See, but you they can see right the, now. Talk about I've, the Antichrist. I've been converted to yes, the Southern culture. <laughs> he's got an adorable red shirt on with bright red buttons, and it says Coca Cola all over it. Where yeah. did you find that shirt? I adore it. I think I I can't remember, but I um, love it. You know, my significant other works at Coca Cola Corporate. Oh, so, oh okay, um, okay, okay. Uh, and I had this before she worked there, too, so I was already loyal to the brand. But when we would do Lent uh, in my childhood, we weren't, uh, we didn't drink Pepsi. Yeah, well, Pepsi, of course, is the Antichrist in our home. Especially to Atlanta. Yes, and my Good husband Lord. is from South Georgia. They never saw a Coke Pepsi and, in their Coke life. Coke peanuts. <laughs> Has he ever put peanuts <laughs> yes, in Coke? Yeah. Yes, That's when course. you know you're a good old boy. Yeah, and yeah. you pull the Coke out of the water in the uh-huh. little coolers. Oh, of yeah, course. buddy. It is hardware oh, store. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't know about Lent because he grew up Baptist. Yeah. So it was really not a big deal. But I did, and I grew up very Catholic, Roman Catholic, and my mother was very spiritual, very religious. Mm-hmm. And so she actually took the week before Lent, and every night we would sit there at the supper table, and back then it was, what would you give up? So, you know, you gave up candy, you gave up being angry, you gave up, you know, hitting your sister, whatever it was. Right. But it was all the idea of giving up. And I I think it's pretty interesting because formatively in a child's mind, it's about me. Like, I want my doll, I want right. candy, I want something. Mm-hmm. So what that ritual does, I think, is it establishes, I think, for the first time cognitively and spiritually and societally in a child's soul, this is 40 days or a ritual time of, you know, introspection, maybe going in or giving up. Like, I am not going to eat candy. And what does that mean for Mm self-sacrifice? And then the other thing is volunteering. Like we had, we went to a a place once a week and took care of uh, very poor children during, during the Lent time. So it was also one of service. I like that. And, it, and so it, it became this time, and each of us would have boxes, shoe boxes, under our bed. So any candy people gave us, any sweets, you'd put it in the box. And it was thrilling because you saw it build up for 40 days. Oh, and you had a stash. Yes, the stash. And, um, of course, some other families cheated on Sunday because they didn't count Sunday yeah, as yeah. part of the Lent, and you got to have one piece of candy. But my mother was Irish Catholic, so of course there was none of that going on. Oh, no. (laughs) It was the straight 40 days. And then my father, who was a, uh, uh, grew up in a very, very different theological conservative, he, you know, hated Catholics, (laughs) hated Flint, 
hated family dynamic. <laughs> it was an interesting dynamic. I'm so, sure. So he watched this Houdini stuff for 40 days and would go, oh, my God, what are you doing? So it, it was a really cool thing. And the reason I wanted to talk about it in our podcast is because, Bailey, we live in a world of people that um, with all of this um, virtual internet and mm-hmm. whatever, what I'm really concerned about, one of my big concerns, as you well know, is we humans need stories. We need cultures. We need rituals. It's part of our our being, our purpose, and our meaning in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and people are not religious anymore. I'm one of those, not really religious. And you know, I taught world religions and did all that stuff in previous lives, but no more. Mm-hmm. And but very spiritual. Right. And, and I think that we need to recontextualize, if that's a word, put Lent in a different kind of a context. You know, instead of one of sacrifice and ascetic practices, mm-hmm. that maybe it needs to shift into a unbelievable ritualistic time once a year, when you can really take on a habit, um, something that you've been carrying around, maybe from childhood, something in a relationship psychologically, uh, uh, an addiction, whatever you're doing to maybe focus on it. And also, 40 days is a good time. It can be a disciplined time to wake up. And another metaphor that I've used lately is um, spring cleaning, because spring is this, it comes in the middle of Lent. Exactly. And so Lent can almost be like a spring cleaning for your soul, your house, your uh, work, relationships. So if people don't like, if if they're hooked on that word, that term, uh, these 40 days can be kind of a... um, Kind of like a rejuvenation of sorts. Yeah, Which is what the whole idea of spring is. It's rejuvenation. Right. Yeah. And I think especially in families too, or in, in, in families, meaning even you're and your beloved, it doesn't mean children or marriage, but in families, because right. we all create different families now, that we need to reinstitute and embrace rituals, loving rituals, healing rituals. And I think this is one that is easy and wonderful and something that you can incorporate into your life. And also the second part of us being people of a story, humans and uh, ritual and uh, needing, needing cultural norms to mm-hmm. guide us, I think another important thing is discipline. Uh, is it's a time oh, of yeah. discipline, and, and we're not really living in a very disciplined world. No, we aren't. Yeah, you can tweet anything you want. You can say anything yeah, you want. If totally. I don't like it, I can delete you or disconnect from you or defriend you or whatever the situation mm-hmm. is. Yep. Whereas historically, if you lived in a village or a town or you worked at my husband's hardware store, I still had to work with Bailey. I right. still had to see or Fred at, at the see gas station. Or you on Main Street, you know, yeah. whenever you're going yeah. outside to pick up the milk or exactly. something. Exactly, or, yeah. or we all went to the same church and you had to sit, you may sit in different pews, but you still had to deal with people. <laughs> exactly. Nowadays, we can withdraw mm-hmm. and just take our little cards or our little jelly beans and go home. So it's a completely different culture. And um, so I think also to think of these 40 days as, as a possibility for rit- uh, not only ritual, but also as a time of self-discipline, which is something we don't have. Yeah. And a person, um, I happen to be a Benedictine oblate at a Benedictine monastery uh, at these radical feminist wild women um, who I worship and adore. Oh, Most yes. of them are teachers. One's a doctor, one's a lawyer. And uh, Sister Joan Chittister who is a well-renowned, heaven knows how many books she's written, how many millions and millions and millions of copies she's sold globally. 
But uh, she's an amazingly wise, brilliant, loving person. And Sister Joan Chittister uh, talks about Lent in a very loving way. And she talks about the ascetics of it. And, and again, me being a person who taught world religion, asceticism was one of uh, monks uh, that went into the desert or uh, priests and nuns and monks that went and withdrew from the world. And right. very disciplined, harsh Lots of times, things to themselves, starving, not eating, praying 20 hours a day and things like that. Right. So she takes that and goes, that's the old historical way that it was looked at. Hmm. And she did this really interesting article, um, Bailey, where she talked about shifting asceticism to the term self-discipline. And she said, for an example, if you look at a great athlete, Kobe Bryant, God bless his soul, this man, she compares like him to an ascetic, meaning that he was disciplined in what he ate how he exercised, how I see. You know, I he was see. disciplined even when, God bless him, the helicopter crash, that he took that practice of taking a helicopter because he adored his family and wanted to spend those two or three more hours instead of a commute. Ah, and was disciplined in that practice, Exactly, too. with his family. Yeah. And um, so she takes the negative or the underbelly of asceticism and says, it's just sheer self-discipline, which we are longing for in our world today. And lacking. And lacking. Yeah. And it was interesting. Yesterday, I gave a, um, a training, a speech, a big thing at a uh, hospital in here in Atlanta. It's a hospital concern that has 35,000 employees, kind of a wow. big place. And uh, one of the women after I gave my presentation came up and she, she said, Dr. Hall, you know, I'm thank you for this talk, blah, blah, blah. And she said, and I touched her hand and I said, you look so tired. And she said, yeah. She said, I'm training for a marathon. Oh, And she said, wow. she said, I, I was an athlete. I became a mom. Uh, you know, I work here and, you know, I do all this stuff. And she said, I thought, you know what? Um, there's a marathon right after Easter. This is what she said. It yeah. ties in perfect with what we're talking about. Yeah. And she said, so I thought, you know, I'm going to be self-disciplined and train for this marathon. So she said, and, and I've had to change what I eat, sleeping, exercising. I oh, have yeah. a trainer so I don't hurt my my you know muscles and my legs and everything. Mm -hmm. And she said, so you know, uh, I just I'm, I'm not used to it yet. And she said, but I figure in about forty days. Now this is going to tie into what you and I are going to oh. talk about next. I looked at her. I went. 40 days? And she said, yes. She said, my marathon trainer said it, you know, in 40 days, my body will shift, my cells will shift. And and so I'm really trying to get past the hump right now. So that was also what inspired me. To I like how you didn't tell me this story in pre-production and just waited to <laughs> drop this bomb on me. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, she, great. and so it was really beautiful because her arc of holding on to the pain or being tired or being hungry or missing her cheesecake was she was holding <laughs> on to that 40-day arc in that cusp, that touchstone at the end of 40 days. Yeah. So um, I, I got in the car, and I drove, uh, when Vanna was driving me home, I thought, wow, this ties into exactly what I would love. I would love, because I love Lent, and I would love to do a podcast on this to invite that I don't care if you're Islam, I don't care if you're Hindu, I don't care if you're atheist, agnostic, I don't, I don't care what flavor of Baskin-Robbins you are, <laughs> I just think it's a time, what if the whole world, okay, now I'm going to start crying, you know me, I get emotional. Oh, yeah. And I had a bad accident, global. as you know, and I'm on steroids, so I'm very emotional <laughs> with my prednisone, <laughs> is that, can you imagine in this 
divided political climate, uh, this world that is trying to find its way to meaning and purpose. Right. Can you imagine if the whole world took 40 days? 40 and, days. And just, yeah. Yeah. And we had 40 days of a healing ritual that we said, we're all going to be better and different through self-discipline, through maybe giving up something or taking on something. Right. Maybe working at a shelter mm-hmm. or maybe whatever whatever it would be to open our hearts and minds and souls and bring your partner, your family, do it at work. If corporations did, hey, let's do a 40-day thing here and and maybe not call it Lent, you know, whatever, whatever. But, right. But, you know, I'm a dreamer, of course. Yeah. I, I, I was dreaming this on the way back after she said that, uh, and I started tearing up at the traffic light and getting really emotional and said, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine only, how the world could change. If only. And then I, I got fascinated when I came home last night, and I was thinking about the 40-day thing. So, yeah. So why the 40 days? And I went, you know, 40 days, is it a superstition? And then I remembered that when I was at Emory and one of my one of my series of my degrees, as you well know. <laughs> this particular one was, uh, I think it was Masters of Divinity. I was in seminary, mm-hmm. and I was taking all the books of the Bible. And uh, being raised Catholic, of course, I'd really never seen a Bible because <laughs> because priests, we weren't allowed to see Bibles back then because they were the interpreter's baby, and yeah. they, they were the what? The, the gatekeeper. Uh, the gatekeeper. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you didn't, man, you didn't, I'd heard about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I saw it sitting up there, but I had not seen a Bible. So, uh, so it was unbelievable. And one of the things that was interesting to me was how the number 40 would show up in the Old Testament and the New a Testament lot. a lot. Yeah. And then when I... Um, um, got a doctorate in spirituality, 40 days was instrumental in a lot of other things. And so I remembered six different places. One was um, from my yoga teacher in Kundalini Yoga. You practice yoga for 40 consecutive days to make or break a habit. And I remember she had mentioned the 40 days, and I said, that is so interesting. And whether it was the Upanishads or the Vedas, which are some of the most ancient texts, you know, uh, ancient texts in the world, yeah, going yeah. back, what, 10,000 years or mm-hmm. whatever, they had 40 days. Isn't that interesting? Wow. So, and, and it was how to break or change the body, okay? And, and meaning if you came and you had a neck injury or you were stiff or angry and uh, or stumped over or had mm-hmm. a disease or sores, isn't it interesting that what would make them know or think that 40 days would change cellular t- tissue, change bones, change your brain? It's yeah. kind of interesting. And then another wow. one was 40 days has huge sacred reverence throughout Judaism. Um, there's a mystical practice that says that one who seeks an answer to their prayers, that whatever you want, a new job, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, heal a disease, whatever it is, you must do the prayer request for exactly 40 days. Isn't that interesting? Wow. I thought that was interesting. Also for Christians, again, during Lent, it's mm-hmm. a it's a 40-day thing. And also in other cultures around the world, Hinduism, Islam, Sikhism, and even in China, a new mother is confined to her home for 40 days after giving birth. Wow, you didn't tell me that in pre-production. Isn't that oh, interesting? Oh, that's cool. So um, according to the Chinese culture, after the birth of a child, uh, the mother's at her weakest, right, after the baby's born. It's a 40-day window. So, so oh. she has the baby, and she stays at home while the female members of her family take care of she and the child while she gets strong for that 40 days. And I think that's interesting because our daughter, who is now a physician, who's 44 years old, when I had her, 
back at the Talmadge Hospital, which was the state charity hospital uh-huh. over in Augusta. I had an old-fashioned and an old female pediatrician. Uh-huh. And so I saw her before the baby was born. And she said, now, um, you know, Kathleen, after you have Brittany, because uh, we already knew if it was a girl, what we're going to name her. Yeah. She said, I want you, you cannot leave your apartment because we were poor. We lived in a, a one-bedroom efficiency at $312 a month. Whoa. Eat your heart out, honey. I bet you missed that, oh, Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and she said, but you cannot leave uh, the baby for 40 days. I'll, I'll never forget this. And I sat there and I looked at her because bing, bing, bing. Remember bing? I was yeah. devoutly Catholic way right, back then. yeah. I went, 40 days. And then I remembered kind of like a Jesus fasting thing. I went, 40 days? She said, oh, yes. She said, um, I've studied uh, around the world. And a lot of us think it's not just an old wives' tale about the immune system, breast milk, keeping the baby away from the influence of, of infection or anything else for 40 days. Right. Number one. Two is psychologically, you immerse yourself in bond, the security of a child for the first 40 days. That's kind of what... They're smelling their mother, exactly. touching their mother. And, and remember, they've been in a womb for nine months, and we've thrown them out into cold air, sound, uh, all kinds of acoustic light. Oh, yeah. And so the first 40 days is them getting accustomed to being human. So that came up to me, and I went, oh, my God, this is getting cooler by the moment. <laughs> and then another one that I found that I had taught that, again, forgot about the 40 days, was after giving birth in uh, Zoroastrian uh, era, Women remain secluded with their baby for 40 days. And again, this was to be purified from impurities of childbirth. Now, their philosophy were you were, imp- you were impure. Okay. The afterbirth that came out, remember this is way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thousands of years ago, they thought that it was the, the baby came out, but also the afterbirth that there was something wrong. It was like awful and the woman was impure. That's why that stuff came out afterwards. And so after the 40-day ritual, she took a ritual bath, which allowed her to come back into the community. Interesting. So I thought that was like unbelievably cool. And then another one is that um, if you're, although uh, this is a a bit worrying because my handwriting's getting worse with age, (laughs) I'm not sure if it's a psychological state, but also psychologists have said that it takes 40 days to break a, a, you know, a bad habit, a bad I've, I've, I've heard that as well. And so I had a handwriting person that was trying to learn calligraphy mm-hmm. and handwriting, and she spouted out, this would be 10 years ago, oh, it takes 40 days to get the rhythm and learn how to do it. And I went, why 40 days? <laughs> and she said, because it's just the way the hand and the brain work so that they're married to each other. And it's like an inhale and an exhale. She said that when you're writing, the rhythm of your breath, the rhythm of your brain, it takes about 40 days if you want to change everything about your handwriting. I just thought, oh, my God, it's like your hand, right, and your brain and your heart falling in love again. And your soul. Into the synchrony. Into the synchrony of falling in love again. And you're the music person. Yeah. So isn't that cool? And then um, finally, psychologically and physiologically, I think, you know how I love physics and I love biology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everybody Mm -hmm. in this family is medical. Our skin cells, on an average, take 40 days to renew. Our red blood cells start dying from 40 days onward, and the sperm count can be increased after 40 days. These are all biomarkers. So now here we're coming to the big question I'm going to ask you. And I know you're going to have the answer. What's that? How, before science, before physics, before we had equipment, how in the world did our spiritual texts, our religious texts, and everything know this 
day cellular biology, the brain, behavior, blood cells replenish in 40 days and die. What is the, Is it just not? Is there something just intrinsic, like built in that us. we just can wrap our head around that no. on some kind it's of kind crazy of like level? you and I've talked. We, we live in what three think we live in three dimensions. I personally of all yeah. the people I've lived with and studied with. Mm-hmm. I believe there are a million dimensions on other planets, universes, galaxies. And we only access because of the way we live on Earth. Mm-hmm. We only allow ourselves out of fear, anxiety or whatever it is access to maybe three dimensions and there are thousands of them or millions out there yeah. and i believe that these beings us yeah um you know of course i have a friend who's into extraterrestrials and she thinks the extraterrestrials came and you know let us know about all this 40 day stuff but that's a whole nother that's I've a heard, whole nother I've podcast i've heard that theory as yeah, well and, and we'll have this chicken we'll have theory. this chicken sometime because that will be a fun podcast oh yeah yeah, yeah. She, she's something else I've, I've definitely heard that theory before that um that all of this was, you know, all of the source of our technology and all of these was like brought over by extraterrestrials, which hey, again, I think he, there's I think there's a possibility for that. Not to get too out out there. No, but I think know, we need to like, do a podcast on this because I just had somebody really interesting I talked to yesterday about this whole thing. But anyway, really? that's that he and I never get off subject, do we? Never. But r- never. write that down. Note to self. We yeah. are going to talk about that, especially with my friend who is deeply involved with this whole thing because she's fascinating. But you had mentioned in, in pre-production too a couple forty-day things that you had reflected on. Yeah, and um, you know I grew up uh, in a Southern Baptist home, so we still we still honored Lent in kind of a non-Catholic way, you know, okay. like with the Pepsi thing. But whenever we started talking about forty days, you know, I remembered um, the Great Flood with Noah, forty days and forty nights oh of rain. Gosh, That's one right. that I knew right off the top, and then. Uh, um, Looking, uh, looking it up, it's his years, but 40 years that um, Moses wandered the desert. So the number 40, still kind of a big thing. Also, one thing that I'm just reading right here is um, it is the traditional belief that Jesus lay for 40 hours in the tomb. Very, yeah, very so, um, You know, like, like we were saying, a, a religious um, kind of a genesis of it and a religious background, but... If you take the religion out of it, mm-hmm. it's still an awesome practice. Well, here we just we had talked before about culture, mm-hmm. meaning, storytelling. Exactly. Yeah. Let's not let if we're not religious, atheist, agnostic, whatever religion we are, let don't let it be let's a trigger not, to yeah, where exactly. you put it out. Let because... us not rob our souls of the joy of and right. the experiential change and the um, cultivation of ourselves physically, mentally, exactly. spiritually by denying ourselves. Some kind of a forty-day process. I think uh, it's pretty course, cool. Of course, yeah. So, and 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 uh, talking about that, um, here are some practices for you or your family. I thought I could maybe give some, yeah, a few tips on people that I know you um, can. Uh, this is just an invitation. Create your own. Have a family meeting with your kids or your partner. Go to work with your friend. You may want to change something at work in forty days mm-hmm. in the buddy system, or go talk to your boss or your supervisor yeah. and try something different. Um, one of the ones is sleep. Well, a third of us are insomniacs. You may want to say, hey, for 40 days, I am going to just focus on sleep. And in that, I am going to paint my bedroom a calm color, you know, like a turquoise, a soft blue, yeah. a pale white. I'm going to get a new alarm clock where I wake up with one of these new lights that is like the sun rising instead of a banging alarm. 
or nature sounds I'm going to wake up with. You use that, don't you? Absolutely. Don't you have a nature sound oh, it's, thing? It's, told me about uh, it's that before. unbelievable. I wake up to birds waking me up and singing oh, to me every awesome. morning Cinderella. of my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> or it, Snow White. <laughs> and also setting a timer an hour before. If you want to go to bed at 10, then you set it at, I mean, at 11, excuse me, set it at 10. And at 10, you start your shutdown, meaning... You know, go to your room, turn the temperature down. Yeah, exactly. Turn the temperature down to 62 degrees, which is what we hope. Maybe a fan, that sound, that ooh, and the moving of the air. I like the fan. Are you a fan sleeper? Oh, absolutely. I love Every night of my life. I love the fan. Clean sheets, uh, have a technology basket. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you, uh, like me, if you read on Kindle, uh, make sure you get some uh, blue lens glasses, which cuts the, the the light that could possibly stimulate you to stay awake. Yep. Uh, spray some maybe lavender on your pillow. You may want to put a little aromatherapy on your little hands so that at night when you're turning, you smell it and yeah. it kind of softly puts you back to sleep. Uh, you may want to take a warm bath, which we know uh, takes the body and helps, helps it sleep. A warm shower also helps. But get these sleep practices. Teach them to your children, your partner. And then you'll have not only go to sleep, but deeper REM sleep, which will change your life. Oh, yeah. So anyway, in 40 days, you literally you. change your cellular structure and change, uh, we know, the plasticity of the brain. Mm-hmm. So you also change the way the brain thinks about sleep. Uh, another thing that's a pretty good idea is food. Why not? Um, you know, I think that's really, if I remember correctly, we were not, of course, again, being devoutly Catholic. You didn't eat meat on Friday, of course. Right. And so you fasted were and you abstained. Eat fish or was fish, it? Fish, yes. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. McDonald's fish sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> for 15 cents. And Swing. French fries were 15. And the Coke was 15. Oh 45 cents. Knocked it down for seven kids, baby. Oh, man. And we Take felt like we were in heaven. For a nickel and a dime, you get French fried potatoes, big, thick. Is thing. that a, is anyway, that a jingle? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, I'll have to sing it to you sometimes yeah. since you're the music person. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, oh, let's do a whole thing on jingles. Old jingles. I love them. Um, oh, oh, anyway, jingles are great. Do you see how he and I there is There is a psychology okay, behind Okay, write that down, jingles. too. I love jingles, and I want, we're going to need to create there a jingle. There is a serious psychology I think families ought to have their own jingles. I think individuals ought to have their own brand jingles. I'm very serious. Okay, we've got to write that down, because this yeah. is another cool podcast. But anyway, so food. Okay, so I grew up with this So in my infrastructure. So then, when I became a student of the Dalai Lama, mm-hmm. and then I did all the cardiac rehab, and the meat thing came up, it was pretty easy. Do you see in my mental construct? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. used to Lent to go, okay, I'm just going to do meat substitutes. And then, you know, one day led to two to three to five. And so it's been 30 years of no meat. But my point is, is food, be mindful. No bad food, no good food, but be mindful. Maybe do a meatless Wednesday, Friday with your family. Right. And say, we're doing this just as a discipline or a practice because we save more cows or save the planet, whatever mm-hmm. terminology goes or, with your ethos. You know, and I'm going to just interject, you know, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I don't call myself a vegan because I am not a vegan. I eat honey. I have uh, a leather wallet, you know, so be that as it may, I don't eat a lot of animal protein by and large, you know, uh, special occasions, whatever. Um, but it's kind of mainly for a selfish reason. If I'm being completely honest with you, it's, it's, if you don't, eat animal protein you eat more fruits and vegetables that's true you know so it's like 
I just wanted to stress that to the people because, you know, some people, when you say like, oh, give up meat for it, they think it's like, well, then I'm just not going to eat. No, substitute it with some really great food. If you do that for 40 days, right. your body will appreciate yeah, and it. Yeah, and, and it's a beautiful mentoring relationship, again, for coworkers to watch you. Yeah. You, you can be the change they need to see. I'm very serious. Please don't underestimate exactly. the power of if your- If you do it under the uh, umbrella of Lent, too, yeah. it's not, you're not going to be, you know, we've all encountered vegans who right, proselytize. Right. Uh, Please, you know, please. and um, that's the that's the number judgment, one way. Judgment, judgment. That's the number one way to not get somebody open to the Isn't idea of not true. eating meat. You well, know, I'm, so if you say, "Hey, I'm just doing it for Lent," and you try it out, you might end up sticking to it. In the very least, you rejuvenate your body. But like, if you do it under the umbrella of Lent, it's kind of it's not as pushy as like and my a husband, typical person pushing Jim, it on. Jim is you. a meat eater. He did it. And so, you know, what he left with uh, after many years is he still eats, you know, chicken and stuff. And uh, but two to three days a week, he he does it does not eat meat. So it changed his life and, and also awareness. He was never aware of what. And, and here's another tragic thing we need to move on. But um, I was up to see our horses, I guess, last week, and uh, it was time to take the new babies off the veal. To, to slaughter at the farm next oh. to where the horses were. Yeah. And I didn't notice it. All of a sudden, I heard these babies crying, 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 crying. And so I looked over at the farm next door, and the horse trainer just looked at me and go, oh, don't worry, Dr. Hall. It's just they're hauling off the veal and da-da-da-da-da. And the mother's wailing for their babies. Oh, I gosh. was a wreck for three days. And I mean belly belly wailing. So if you don't think a cow has emotions, if you could have seen those mothers hitting the side of that truck because they took their babies trying away from them, trying babies. to get to their babies, then the truck <sighs> drove off. Now I'm sobbing. And I said, Jim, we have to leave. I can't. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. And they drive off with the baby slash veal. And the mothers wailed. We came back the next morning uh, to, see, Still. to see one of my horses. And uh, they were belly wailing, um, looking at the road. I cried. I'm telling you, I, I, me even remembering it yeah. here a week later, I'm just shaking inside. I see tears in your so, eyes right now. So it it it's a profound thing. That's so one all thing of people us, just put out of well, their but mind. my point is let's right. Be well, let's be honest that we are urban people. People yeah. don't live on a farm and see exactly what it is. And then on the same vein. Another horse trainer that we have, he was bragging because they raised the cow and slaughtered it and ate the meat, and it was her Christmas present to have a huge um, uh, feast off of the cow that they had fed for uh, a period of time. No judgment here. I'm saying that we're all different. Yeah. So theirs was a celebration that they had fed it and petted it and talked to it and named it Frank or you know whatever yeah. and, and done it, and I thought... It's an interesting construct because we could not have two more opposite constructs, right? And, yeah. and I love them. I love their family. I love Hope. I, I love her husband. And she smiled and said it was one of the most amazing things to put that meat in my mouth. So see how different we all are? Yeah. And, and, I, and, and again, all of this is spiritual cultivation because I really had to work on no judgment, which is again- I almost have less of a problem with that because if- Oh, if yeah. you're going to eat meat and it's Take like responsibility a crazy, for it. Yeah, exactly. And if it's like a celebratory right. rare thing, if everybody practiced the rare celebratory Oh, no, know, they eat it every approach, day. Yeah. yeah. I just, but if they I just did, meant that watching... When you, I grew up in a farm in Ohio. Yeah. So, you know, everybody was like used if, to... If, if our culture did it like that in a rare celebratory way... 
Oh, it'd be I different. think everybody would be a lot better off. Well, and also, um, you know, like I said, I grew up in the farm when Ronnie next door and everybody, you had prize cows, we went to the county fair. Mm-hmm. We sat there, I fed it for a year with him, and then, and then just watched and then it. Washed, and then washed, just slaughtered it, and everybody got the meat. So I grew up that way. Yeah, so harsh I, realities I, on a farm. But, but I'm a different, per, you know, again, yeah. we all change. We Hopefully yeah. we grow. Yeah. So anyway, that's the food thing. And we got on meat, but that's any food. Yeah. Um, family gathering night, one night a, a week. You know, if it's Wednesday, since that's when Ash Wednesday actually starts, whatever mm-hmm. day fits in with your calendar, mm-hmm. you're driving kids to sports, both of you work, everything going on. Have it, you know, whether it's a game the kids play, board games are so huge. When you play a board game with your family, they're cognitively changing, they're watching you lose, they're watching you win, they're yes. watching you negotiate, make strategic uh, things, they're watching bullying. You are teaching them so many life skills when you play board games, not computer games, not virtual reality games, board games where they're tactily touching pieces. Highly, highly interactive. Like you said, you learn how to win, you learn how to lose, which is very important in the game of life. Exactly. I'm not talking about the board game. And and kids, you're seeing colors of pieces. They're touching things. They're making choices. Small motor movements. Exactly. And and they have to take responsibility. All the things that someone could say playing a video game does well for you. You can get from a board game. Absolutely. Plus more. Plus more. So I do agree with that. The relational thing. Yeah. Well, plus, let's just talk about, uh, you know, we do studies about community and family and being in the presence of each other. Right. Awareness and in the presence. Uh Not playing a game that's off. Me sitting across the board, touching you, looking at you, drinking our Coke, belly laughing, popcorn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a whole experience. I'm convinced that's the only way that I can engage with, with people the way that I can engage is because if we played so many board games growing up, you have no idea. So it's oh, like, adorable. I think I would attribute that. And that just kind of came to me. I was just talking to, I would definitely attribute like my ability to socialize and engage folks as, as that. I think that's amazing. We never had a board game in, really? in our house. No. And my father didn't allow any books in the house either. He was afraid. My mother was brilliant and I was brilliant. And Oh, he did. He, he wanted af- to oppress exactly, this. Yeah. He was afraid that smart people can do unbelievable things. So, and you know my love of reading. I'm a voracious oh, reader. Yeah. And my mother would sneak Thomas Akempis or Benedictine books because she was so Catholic. She would take them out of the library at church and we'd sneak them. Uh-huh. But yeah, when you grow up with a tyrant. Uh, and, oh and again, gosh. I think on the call map when somebody yesterday at the meeting I was at, my presentation talked about, she loved the storytelling part of the mm. app. And she said, don't you remember, Dr. Hall, that you loved storytelling, you know, when you were a child. And I said, I've never had a book read to me in my life until my husband bought Women Who Run With Wolves when Clarissa Estes Pincola wrote it in the 90s. And he would sit there at night to me, stack up the pillows and read me one story a night from the oh. book and sit there lovingly reading to you me. Since be careful. I- I'm going to fall in love with Jim if you don't watch <laughs> out now. I'm gunning for that guy. Oh, he's very sweet. That man is a keeper. Yeah, he said. Good I, lord. He said, uh, "I love reading to you, and I love to watch you while I read." So oh, anyway, man. Um, so anyway, family gathering night, big one. Organize. Hey, it's a great time. It's still nasty. It's it's you know pre spring spring. Organize. Have each child organize a, a, a dresser a week or, mm-hmm. or a drawer. Don't make it doesn't have to be some big deluge. Think of it as a purging, as a 
a, something to get rid of things. You know, you can, and then and then after Easter, have some kind of sale, have a have a garage sale yeah, or whatever. Or take it, donate it. You know, all the donate stuff. it, yeah, and yeah. then take yeah, and then take them to a donation place and show them all the good things exactly. that happen at Goodwill or Salvation Army, yeah. all these amazing places. Plus, you're teaching them organizational skills. And then another thing is, you can take the 40 days to move your body. Uh, do Zumba. You, you guys know that. You can go on YouTube, go on anything. Yeah. And um, or you can go on Gaia, which I love their app, uh, and do yoga, family yoga, kid yoga, uh, Zumba. You can do anything. Dedicate dance, yourself play. to do a walk every day. Exactly. Just take a 10-minute walk every day. Walk up and down the street. Yeah, go know? to Costco or go somewhere. Buy one of those. Uh, I bought one for my daughter. Buy a basketball hoop. Put it outside. I put yeah. it in her driveway with a basketball. Shoot a couple hoops or, yeah. you know, whatever a night. I mean, our daughter, you know, was an All-American basketball player. We bought one of those things when she was, I don't know, second grade or something. Little did we know. She, before we knew it, she was shooting three, four, five hundred baskets a night. Wow. And became a, a... I never knew that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's She became a great, great athlete. Um, but we played every night. We walked. We had a badminton net in the back. This is not money. It doesn't cost much. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. A, a basketball hoop. Every night of our life at 7 o'clock, we ate at 5.30, and at 7 o'clock there was some kind of family uh, exercise thing going on. And here's the other thing about guys moving your body during these 40 days. When you have a spouse or a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, when you have a child or whatever, it's when you're when you're, um, uh, when you're I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to use, when you are just doing uh, a uh, – tactic or an event for an example we sit down how was your day bailey did anything happen anything huh. exciting and we're eating the mashed potatoes the redundancy, the redundancy of, yeah, yeah and yeah. then it's kind of regurgitation was there something um uh, mahatma gandhi's grandson arun gandhi and jimmy carter taught me this and of course my buddhist friends the dalai lama and Thich Nhat Hanh, whom i'm a student of they talked about the power of walking and moving and what happens is there's a vulnerability and an openness to it mm. that you will say and disclose things that you never would by sitting across from somebody and saying, how was your day, my daughter? Oh. So for an example, when um, I could be at dinner and say, Brittany, how was your day, honey, at school? Oh, fine, mom, blah. But when we went on our family walk, by the time we got to the end of the block, she might touch my hand and go, you know, Sarah failed a test today, or her mother got divorced. or, You yeah, know, it, yeah, it, it's yeah, like yeah, an yeah, unfolding yeah. of the soul because there's this magical energy when we move our bodies that open our hearts. I 100% wholeheartedly agree. And, and I have there's a, a disclosure that's so intimate. It's like if your body is doing something, you know, left foot, right foot, right, left right. foot, right foot, and you kind of go, then it's like almost the mind not necessarily wanders, but yeah. opens up to different things. Yes. I have a great example. Some of the most heartfelt talks, deepest talks I've ever had with my dad were over a game of catch. Huh. You know, you're just... Oh, God, that's catch beautiful. Catch it, throw it, catch it, throw it, and then... And then that's like I've had a lot of heart to hearts with with male friends. You know, it's like guys have this stigma. Right. Oh, well, we're not sure. going to talk about our feelings. That's some of the deepest stuff I've ever discussed with other men. It's just over a game of catch. It's funny. So well, I well, wholeheartedly we'll to, agree with yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have to do another one on this. The only time my father was a very, as you know, violent, cruel man, very disturbed. Bless his heart. Just a horribly savage life. 
And the only time he was intimate was when we would leave Ohio and go down to the coal mines in Kentucky. It, it, it coal was cheaper at night if you could get a truck and go down and pick it up. Uh-huh. And so he would go you down. You guys used it for fuel, like in the uh, winter? Well, what or? happened was he would deliver it to people in the farms in Ohio oh, okay. and, and, and deliver it the next morning. But I was the um, oldest girl, and he really, in some weird, bizarre way, loved me. So I got to go with him in these freezing cold pickup truck in the middle of the night, snow, mm-hmm. whatever. And he was so, he would buy me a hot chocolate that was the kindest he ever was to me, and he would talk to me. Wow. And, and it was the only time, and I remember being down there in the coal chutes, a little tiny girl, five years old with braids, you can imagine, big-eyed. Mm-hmm. And he'd get out, and, and you'd go under these huge things, and they'd dump the coal in the back of your truck. You can imagine under these huge poor, bat things. Yeah, yeah. And the dust, the coal dust. And I remember sitting there looking at my hot chocolate, thinking how special and beautiful I was that he talked to me, even though I had 12 blankets on me because there was no heat. I'm down in Kentucky in the middle yeah. of the night. And then I'll never forget when I'd go home and we'd get home about three or four in the morning, I'd be freezing to death, freezing to death. And sit, standing on the heat coming out of those registers with the heat. And then couldn't sleep because I was so excited because he would deliver it at seven or eight in the morning to the customers. Yeah. And then if I got to take off school, to go to the delivery when he put the chutes in, you know, you'd drive up to their yeah. basement, put the chute in, and then deliver it. And then they'd put the cash in his hand. And then at the end of the day of delivering coal, he'd give me like $5. Whoa. And I remember the happiest or the most unbelievably uh, exhilarating moments of my life were the coal runs. I need to think about that. It was really, really cool. Wow, what an interesting juxtaposition. The best memories of your childhood next to coal. Yeah. And the freezing cold. And the coal mine and snow yeah. and everything else. That's wild. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, and the coal miners, you know, going down there, the people at night. But that's a whole other story. But um, anyway, that was about moving your body. <laughs> um, and then next technology shutdown. Come on, guys. Shut it I down. I mean, geez, this, yeah. this goes without even saying. Yeah, that goes without even saying. We all know. We, yeah, we, yeah. we, you know, we just, just cut it down. You know, if you're three hours a night on Facebook, then, you know, try to cut it to just for 40 days. Come on, do it for 40 days. You can yeah. do it. And and tell everybody on your Facebook, right? Or your Twitter feed, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Spread the word. Say, hey, let's do this, man. Let's get a community to do it. And then instead of regurgitating for three hours, we are mindfully going to be on for an hour instead. Right. And we're going to filter what we say and try to uplift each other. And also see what comes up for each other and support each other. Yeah. And then finally, read, 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 read. Please read. We are not reading anymore. Our children aren't reading. Nobody's reading. Give up the Facebook and trade (sighs) it for a book. We have unbelievable science that shows how what reading does to the brain, what it does to the soul, developmentally what it does to a child. Children that read succeed in every avenue. We know that. Yeah. It feeds the body, the mind, the soul. And again, here we go with self-discipline. And finally, last but not least, a tip, which uh, uh, Bailey knows this, I have a tribe of women. I have a, two tribes, actually. I've got tribe one and tribe two. <laughs> and we have two groups of women <laughs> that meet. Very clever naming. <laughs> <laughs> and, and very different. And so what we do is, and, and did this years ago, we took the 40 days, and we mindfully chose a word every day. And, I have, oh, yeah, and yeah. he sees this mm-hmm. calendar I have in mm-hmm. front of me, yeah. and it's got 40 days. And then we chose a word each day that all of us, because we live all over the city of Atlanta, that we would mindfully, you know, look kind of at channel it. Channel that word. Yeah, we would immerse ourselves in that word, and then we texted each other on what came up for us that day on our group text yeah. for that day. We did like it for that. forty days, and uh, truly transformational. I'm really serious. So, for an example, you know, 
The first day of Lent on the Wednesday was awareness. Uh, the second day, we and they chose innocence. We chose guilt, things like shame, denial, boundaries were some of the words we chose, hatred, despair, um, all kinds of duty was one word that uh, uh, one of us wanted, doubt, commitment, all kinds of words, honesty. And, and it's amazing that when you have an anchor of a word, for in each day a different word, what comes up. So right. then what we decided to do was the word that we used then the next year, same calendar, same words. We did it with our partners. I did it at work. So it kind of spread that, um, and I'm thinking of maybe doing a book now with uh, words because ah. I've amassed over all these years unbelievable reflections on each word uh, and concept that we chose for each day wow, for 40 days. Wow, each word's days. a chapter. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's it. I know this was short and sweet, but as you can tell, I'm in love with Lent, and, yeah. and I wanted to, again, we come from uh, different perspectives. You're a young, beautiful man, um, yet but 30, 30-ish, and yes. me of my wisdom um, aging age, and so I just really wanted to, um, you know, weave together uh, the distance with with look at this. We even talked about something that makes the distance in gender, age, mm-hmm. ethnicity, whatever. It kind of gone. evaporate. Yeah. Evaporate. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, guys. Um, thank y'all so much for being here today. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. We've been we've been looking at all the uh, listens and downloads, and it's been really overwhelming, guys. Uh, just just really honored to be a part of this. Absolutely. Um, make sure you check us out on the web at uh, mindfullivingnetwork.com or at ourmln.com, O-U-R-M-L-N.com. And if if you have any suggestions for any future episodes or you'd like a shout-out, email us at info at mindfullivingnetwork.com. Do us a favor. Follow us on social media and uh, tell us what you're planning on doing for Lent. Are you going to be giving up anything? Uh... Because we're really curious to see uh, to see what it is. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. I'm excited. I love this. Awesome. Guys, uh, once again, thanks for being here. My name is John Bailey. Call me Bailey, and this is the way I see it. And my name is Dr. Kathleen Hall. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it just a millionth as much as we did. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you.